1840s. We see a decade or so after the electoral franchise is expanded, we see the democratization of investment and speculation. All of a sudden, people are buying shares who have never invested before. And the middle classes become embroiled in speculation. They're now allowed to participate in speculation. And of course, many of them can't afford to lose the money that they invest. And throughout the book and throughout the bubbles, we, we look at this democratization of speculation grows and grows and grows. You know, one of the big changes in democratization of speculation was in the roaring 20s in the United States. So you get a large proportion of the population investing in stocks. And then you come to the 2000s and the property boom, and all of a sudden you have immigrant vegetable pickers in the United States becoming property investors. You have strippers from Las Vegas becoming property developers. And then you come into the more recent years in China and you've got these lower middle class so-called aunties. So these are retired ladies. They don't have a lot of money, but they spend most of their day in stockbroker offices watching the, the prices change and investing the small bits of money that they have. That's one of the big narrative arcs in the book, this democratization of speculation. The railway mania of the 1840s was one such event. You've already mentioned it. One aspect I found fascinating was the discussion about how the consequences uh, of the bubble breaking differed by country according to how new railways were established and regulated by government. Can we discuss this? The railway mania happened in the UK so mid 1840s. You get literally hundreds of new railway companies floating on the stock exchange, raising capital. You get a doubling or more of, of railway share prices between 1843 and 1845. And then the market collapses come October 1845. And so I suppose the question we ask is, what, what was the spark for this bubble? What was the thing that triggered it off in the UK that other countries didn't have a similar type of thing with this new technology? And for us, we point the blame at William Gladstone's Railway Act. And that was really for us the spark that ignited the bubble. So his Railway Act, one of the things it did was establish something called the Railway Board. And the Railway Board was a, a very strong signal to investors, to potential promoters of new railways, that the government would only approve new railways that add up to the network. Not railways that were, would compete with the existing network but new railways which add up to the network. So to put it in sort of modern parlance, they would only approve railways which created network externalities for, for existing railroads and, and therefore greatly increased passenger numbers. Building a national railway, that's what the railway board was about. And the railway board was needed because when railways were authorised by parliament, so to get authorised, you needed to go to parliament, you needed to get a charter to become a, a limited company, but you also needed parliamentary approval to be able to buy the land in which the railway was going to run through. But the structure of parliament in the 1840s was not suited to building a national rail network. So politicians at the time uh, had more of a, a local incentive rather than a national incentive. Their electoral incentive was to promote their constituency interests rather than the national interests. Politics, you know, as I say, was dominated by this sort of local interest faction. And that meant then there would have been competitions of different towns competing with one another to get their railway authorised by Parliament. So that's why we needed the railway board. But the railway board didn't have enough power when it came to it to overrule these local interests. And that was a major political blunder. And so when the impotency of the railway board became apparent, you get this mad rush of new companies, 500 plus companies looking to raise capital on the market. The railway board's abolished in the summer of 1845. And that signals the end of 
parliamentary coordination or this attempt to build a national rail network. And so you get all these railways then that are competing with existing railways, you know, getting authorized and raising capital. And that's ultimately what caused the crash. We get this wasteful competition. Contrast that with what happened in other countries at the time. In other parts of the world, you know, such as France, they, they weren't going to have any competing lines. They were, weren't going to have any duplicate lines. And they achieved that through state involvement or, or state ownership of the, of the railway lines. So they didn't have the railway mania that the UK had. The US is also interesting because in the US, again,